fumbled it right out of the gate. We did it. We did what? I don't know. We didn't talk through the <laughs> intro. <laughs> we did. I kind of laughed, so I guess that doesn't really count as a as a perfect launch. It's okay. I'm gonna leave that in just so everybody knows that hey, this is not a high quality operation. <laughs> it is in fact a high quality operation. I have a cough. I've had a cough. I'm very snotty. Steve so. is has been ill this week. He was patient zero during the COVID pandemic. Indeed, I was. And, and now we don't know what this is. So No, we don't, but it's lingering. And right. So that's awesome. <laughs> so, so I apologize in advance for all the coughing. So go buy some toilet paper and bottled water, Oh, kids, God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Stock up. Be one of those people who bought like pallets load of it and then couldn't sell it at the ramped up prices they tried. I still don't understand why toilet paper was like a, a hot commodity. For an upper respiratory illness? Right. 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 Yeah, no, right. no idea. No, I could not figure that out. I, I still, I still puzzle about that. My panic buy was uh, cat food for our cat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sorry for a moment. I thought you said your panty buy, and I'm like, well, in the tube, of course. <laughs> Do with panties. Thanks, Jackie. Will sponsor us. So. Um, I didn't have a panic buy, but and what, beans, beans, really, like yeah. dry beans. Yeah. So how many of those did you cook? <laughs> we still have some uh, in the pantry. Oh, good. So Zero. in the event of apocalypse, look, you can keep beans forever and add water, and they're still beans, in, right? In, and Not good judging. sources of protein. Not I was more worried about the cat having cat food than it was of our children. <laughs> I just that's fair. That's fair. Kids, you're on your own. Poor Casper, he can't forage for himself. Casper was like, <laughs> like he was old. He didn't have front claws. I and had to look out for my man. He was like thirty pounds. So, and, no, he wasn't fat. Oh, he wasn't. No. Uh-uh. Oh, I thought he was. He was no. He, he was, was big, but he wasn't. Oh, he fat. was. I'm sorry. He was big boned. No, he really wasn't fat. <laughs> no, I, I do. I saw him so rarely. I promise. <laughs> On rare occasions, he would make an appearance. Yes, he would come down and yell. Where's that bitch at? Right, right. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't have a panic buy. I, um, you know, I had some time on my hands, so I expanded into baking. And I thought, oh well, that's great. So I found a recipe that was make your own pizza dough mm-hmm. deep dish pizza, and it required yeast. And I went to three different stores and couldn't find yeast. And I'm like, none of you sons of bitches is baking bread. Give me some yeast. <laughs> right. This is ridiculous. Oh, by the way. Welcome to Raised on Television. This uh, is Steve, Brian, and Stephanie. So, not necessarily in that order. Um, That's the order I, I, I do want to point out that she had her eyes closed when she said the name of the show. I did. I know. So she didn't have to look at the working board. without a net. Kids, well, dangerous. We'll see how well this goes. So, what are we doing today? Um, I forgot which episode this is. Is it 92? Brian, oh, right. not no, no. 92 knew, of Star Trek. I knew what you <laughs> like, what? No. This is 92, Star Trek City on the Edge of Forever. Air date February. April. Oh, it was I'm April sorry. of 1967. April 8th, 6th of sure. 1967. What night of the week was that? April 6th? I don't know. I'll look it up. Continue oh. talking about other things while I do. <laughs> Continue it's talking April about 6, 1967. February or April 6th or 8th of 1967. We know the year. We have the year nailed yes. down for sure. No, I remember because it it's April 6th because a year later on April 4th, 1968 is when Martin Luther King was assassinated. Oh, okay. That's okay. How, that's how I keep track of things. Yes. Well, that's kind of how I keep track of when Abraham Lincoln died too. So 
It was a Thursday. It, well, so this was on a Thursday night. That's I did a, not know that Star Trek was on a Thursday. No, I didn't either because, well, I wasn't on on when I was watching it either. So mm-hmm. It's a Thursday now. It's like what was meant to happen. It's what? It's a Thursday now. It's oh, like it, it is. was meant to happen. It Actually, it's Friday because it's the weekend. But, is you know, it? we just, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's maybe Saturday. Time is a construct. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode had ripples in time. So you see, we are very Look topical. Look at how I segued right? right into that. We are very, very on top of it. So unlike last week when I was super excited to talk about that awesome episode of television that sucked ass <laughs> this is actually Uh-oh. one of my favorite episodes if you of haven't Star listened Trek. to the previous episode <laughs> yes. please go back and listen to Steve's unkept hatred of that episode hey I contained Thinly it veiled. I contained it for a good three four minutes so right. that was just some bad television. That was bad writing. It was bad acting. We were even trying to figure some, out what he was doing. Hat, and he Harry. angrily wrote on a note card <laughs> to hold it up to us that he hated it. I hated it. That's so. some bad hat, Harry. So, yes, yes. <laughs> That's from Jaws for any of you that didn't uh, know. Go watch that. It's good. It is good. But first, watch, you know, Star Trek. City on the Edge of Forever, because that is actually a really... That is a good... That's good writing. It's pretty well acted. I, you've got... Captain Kirk I has mean, a tendency to go a little right. all in. I honestly think that in this episode, he did okay. Oh, I agree. And Leonard Nimoy is, of course, just nuanced and subtle and brilliant and fantastic. Right, right. Big Leonard Nimoy fan over here, kids. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Um, uh, Star Trek... Created by Gene Roddenberry, also starred besides William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, James Doohan, George Takei, Walter Koenig, and the incandescent Nichelle Nichols. Incandescent Nichelle Nichols. Okay. There were also other people that yes. wore red shirts. They often died. Right. Yes. <laughs> it was so funny. So um, the comic strip Foxtrot, which is actually written and drawn by a local artist. Um, he really? had a Yeah, he lives in Kansas City. Did not know that. Um, he did. He dropped a new uh, a new comic. I think he in the paper, I think he does just Sundays, but he will cross post them on Instagram. And it was the the little nerdy boy, <laughs> the super smart kid. And he had made Christmas cookies of Star Trek characters mm-hmm. and then his sister and the, there was only a two panel and his sister said why are all of them wearing red shirts and he was biting the head off of <laughs> and i'm like there's some inside baseball for you inside baseball so i, I thought that was hilarious so. yes if you noticed during this episode there was a proliferation of red shirts on the <laughs> planet the surface of the planet yeah if you're wearing a red shirt on star trek and you're not an engineer or a communications professional right. you're not going to be on the next episode <laughs> you will be missed <laughs> i was sadly disappointed that none of the red shirts did die well that's true in this episode but i don't think any of them came back either so this is a this that is a day be. gig i think Right. Yeah, they were not recurring, uh, recurring extras or whatever. So, how has everybody's week been? Uh, it's been okay. Um, my eyes are really bugging me tonight, so huh? I apologize to everybody. I don't know if you can hear me scratching my eyes. No, I'm sure they no. can't over the coughing that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been a good week. Busy week with work. Okay. I drove through four states today going Ew. up to a meeting and four states today coming back from a That's meeting. eight Show states. That's, the, no, that's actually not four. how that works. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never. It's actually the same four. He didn't say that. 
<laughs> Just I saying. know. It sounded like he, he went through eight. <laughs> and then he's in state nine now, irritation. Irritation. <laughs> yeah, that's generally what happens when people end up with me. <laughs> so what about you, Miss Stephanie? Uh, nothing. Uh, you had some dance, dance, dance I revolution had, had last weekend. Dance, dance revolution. We were in Austin, Texas. There is nothing Texas loves more than being Texas. Um, and there's nothing Austin loves more than being unhinged. Right. <laughs> I'm a big great fan. town. Oh, I love. Austin. I'm a big fan of anybody, any town whose motto is keep Austin weird or keep itself weird. So yes, no, I love Austin. Yeah. Uh, it was good. The The girl child did well. Uh, everything, this particular competition that they go to, that were, they were at this time, you actually have to qualify for nationals. Some of them, it's just you go and then you can go to nationals. But she was in seven dances and all seven of them were qualified for nationals. So oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Brian and I, because Stephanie was out of town, got to have a little time together. So we've had... Uh, Excuse me. We had drinks and dinner at uh, Red Robin. We went fancy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then uh, Joseph, we we didn't attempt to extricate him from the house. Nope. So nope. we just delivered food to him. <laughs> so I, I wasn't sure what the protocol was. Do we pull in and you take it in to him? Do we just throw it in the yard? Right. What I works? mean, I think either way works. Do you yeah, just leave it works. outside his door and like knock? <laughs> Oh, so how was your traveling? Did you have any travel adventures, near-death experiences? Um, let's see. No, uh, it was getting out of Austin. Uh, a TSA apparently needed a nap and a Snickers bar in Austin. Was hunger poking at him, poking at him? <laughs> there was a rough draft of that. Poking <laughs> at you, poking. They were so, like, cranky. Oh, but, and I don't know, does TSA not understand that not everybody does it the exact same? Right, right. And do they also understand we're all just trying to achieve a common goal here? Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with you doing what you need to do. Just don't be bitter about it. Right. And so we were travel- We were in line with another dance mom and dancer, and it, it was just ridiculous. Like, there are minors that are on the boarding. She had a electronic boarding pass. I had regular paper boarding passes because I try to dumb this down as much as humanly possible. But it, it just like, she was the TSA guy taking our licenses determined that the other mother was over some imaginary line on the floor that none of us could see or knew where it was. <laughs> well, I hope it turned into a situation. <laughs> and he like, didn't speak, just gestured with his finger for her to move back. And it was like, I know what it's like to have to deal with people. I hate them too. Right. (laughs) But let me tell you something about your goofy little badge. And if you're in the middle of the security theater anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If you're on the Western front. (laughs) I mean, literally, we were not giving anybody a hard time. We were just trying to get through security. And then, you know, you take off your shoes. Every airport I've been at in the last... Oh, my God. This is why TSA PreCheck and Clear are so worth it. I don't take well, off my and shoes. she has PreCheck. But I'm they not never sure why give it's it to attached me. to her. It may be because we have the minor on there. I don't know. They <gasps> never give me PreCheck. You put it on your ticket. Yeah, he did. And you don't... No. It doesn't show up on no, your ticket. No, my known traveler number does not show up on my ticket, and it doesn't give me a PreCheck. 
Wow. I, mean, I don't know if I'm on the list someplace. Probably. <laughs> Fuck it. You're not on a no fly. You're just on a, hey, poker in the eye. <laughs> right. <laughs> Make if, sure you take that hand well, and run it right between yeah, the tits. Let's see if we can push her over the edge. Well, it's not going to take much. And so everyone I've been at in the last, I don't know, probably six, eight months, they have you take your laptop out of your bag and put it into a separate container, not just in a container, in a separate container. So not only do you have to take the laptop out, you have to yes. then segregate the laptop. That's always the way I was right. when I was. But now I can leave it where it is. I don't have to turn anything on. And Right. But so I'm going through regular security. It's, it was so embarrassing. I'm going to cut that out. I meant to say cave person. <laughs> <laughs> like the Just poise. beep it. Let people oh guess. Like a beep. Like the like poise. a cave person. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So... I, I'm asking this woman who, by the looks of her, was 117 years old. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am, do I need to take my laptop out and put it in a separate bin? Because there wasn't a lot of bins and it was confusing. And, and no, okay. And even if you do what the person in front of you did, you still get yelled at. Right. And she finally acknowledges me. She's like, what? And I said, I'm sorry, do I need to take my laptop out and put it in a separate bin? And she goes, you leave it in your bag. I'm like, okay. Super good talk. Right, <laughs> right. Good talk, Mrs. Methuselah. Sorry about your career choices. <laughs> and we're all on the same page. We all hate people. Right, but, right. exactly. But, you know, exactly. if you're going to take a job where you have to deal with 1.2 million people coming through your line every day. Right. And if you want to take out your aggression on somebody, take it out on somebody who's being a dirtbag. Right, you. exactly. Take it out on the guy who's being a dick because I can't believe I got pulled out of line. Right. Well, fuck you. You got pulled out. Who cares? I've I been was, mauled. I've been. I went yeah. through the body scanner thing, which mm -hmm. horrifies me anyway because I'm like, shit. I'm hideous. Do not. Do not. <laughs> if this ends up on the internet, I am suing. And like, oh my god, look at this guy. I had a piece of gum in my pocket. Because I didn't want to carry the whole container of gum, but I forgot. Mm -hmm. And oh my, that was a thing and a half. What's well, in your pocket? We got to get it. Keep your hands high. I'll get it. I'll get it. And I'm like, okay, it's a piece of orbit bubble mint. I'm sorry. I brought down an entire airport operation. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Meanwhile. They were super nice about it, but it was like, a, we three, have a code seven. Right. Three knives and two guns it's have the, wandered And a through. pound of Colombian pure. Right. <laughs> just it is literally the scene from, from is it airplane? airplane? Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. The guy with the bazooka. Take, right. yeah, walking, exactly. Walking right exactly. through. Uh, I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. Exactly. That's every day for me. So that was the traveling thing. It, it, it was just a comedy of errors once we got through there. I was it like, usually is. Because I inevitably set off that scanner thing. Oh, Usually uh -huh. it's the underwire on my bra, which I'm used to. This time it was in the pelvic region that was making them have concerns. <laughs> so we had a, a, a lot of giggles about that. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> my favorite, though, was we were, I was taking a little sop with camel to a small town in Ohio from Cleveland and if we're, we're ready to go. The propellers are moving, the planes firing up and all of a sudden everything stops. Mm -hmm. And, and, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We're having some equipment trouble and I'm like equipment trouble. Don't you mean the plane? <laughs> <laughs> Can we not act like a bulb went out? <laughs> right. 
shit just completely shut down. <laughs> what would have happened if that would have been, say, five minutes from now? <laughs> was Were you on the flight with me where they weren't letting us take off because one of the like cabinets wasn't yes. correctly labeled? And, was it you that was like, get a piece of duct tape and ride on the goddamn day? <laughs> Brian was having a rough morning that day. Because <laughs> like, let's face it, he is the most patient of the three of us. Oh, by leaps and bounds. If you took our patience, added it together, multiplied it by 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd power. He'd still have still more patience. Yeah. Not. Yeah, and he is infinitely nicer than we are. So for him True. to have completely unraveled, I <laughs> love it. <laughs> he was, I don't remember, was it you or the guy behind us that was like unspooled about it? I don't, I don't remember yelling that. Okay, but... so it must have been the guy behind oh, us. Oh, come on. Now Sorry. I have to feel bad about no. myself again. <laughs> but he's like, get a piece of duct tape and write the but I goddamn think... closet on there or whatever it was. <laughs> but I do think you and I were having a... In-depth discussion a bit about of, it. A bit of time. a litter of kittens. I'm like, we can't take off because the broom closet doesn't have a sticker that says broom closet. Right. And yeah. Do we all know it's a broom closet? I'm sorry. Are we afraid it's the magical pathway to Narnia right. now? What are we doing? Are we going to, like, should there be an emergency? Is somebody going to run to the broom closet <laughs> and, and not know what to get? And fly off the plane? Right. I was I mean, on a flight one time where it was, it was a while ago, but let's say mid-COVID, there were... 20 of us on a plane that seats 143. <laughs> um, and I still had a middle seat. They would, right next to me. Well, exactly. that happened several times. Exactly. But they wouldn't let us push back because on the previous flight, someone had sat in a seat and the seatbelt wouldn't buckle. And so that's an equipment failure, quote unquote, even though there's 142 other uh, open <laughs> seats on the plane. <laughs> They couldn't just put a out of commission stamp on that seat. <laughs> well, right? they could, they, they had to fix the thing. So we sat there for like forty five minutes while the maintenance guys came up and unscrewed and rescrewed a new seatbelt onto that one right. seat that no one was going to sit in. Right. Anyway, it's because if they would have pulled the label from somewhere to put it on there, it would have been from the broom closet. Exactly. And then yes. it wouldn't have had a label. And then we're stuck in the infinite loop. <laughs> Speaking of loops. There's a loop of time in this episode. Oh, there was. See, and now we're right back into it. I am so good you at said, the segues. Speaking of loops, I went to Fruit Loops. I'm like, oh, those are delicious. <laughs> don't care for them. <laughs> you don't, don't like them? Care. The fake, I'm sorry, it's the harsh fake fruit flavor that does it's it for like, you. They're all the same. What's that funny, t- like kind of funny, tingy Chemicals. Aftertaste? Is it cancer? <laughs> I think it's cancer. <laughs> mm, tastes like cancer. And they all have different colors, but they all taste purple. Right. <laughs> Yes. Purple is not a taste. They don't, they don't taste a flavor. They, they taste, taste a purple. color. Okay, that's... I had a blueberry muffin doll when Strawberry Shortcake came out, and I can't well, describe... Sorry, is that like the generic version of Strawberry Shortcake? No, she was one of her pals. Oh, There was okay. Gooseberry Gal oh, yes, or something. I'm sure she was popular. There hey, was, kids, let's have some gooseberry pie. <laughs> there was Strawberry Shortcake, Blueberry Muffin, Lemon Meringue, and, and some other sundry people... But I got a blueberry muffin doll, and I can only describe her smell as blue. <laughs> it was blue plastic. What what flavor was it? Crayon. Blue plastic. I don't know what it's supposed to smell like. Oh, my gosh. I think blueberries, so but it sure smelled blue to me. Oh. So, 
Well, here we are on the city on the edge of forever. It's which again, you know, we've we've had a little frivolity. This is actually an excellent, excellent it program. It is fantastic. This really excellent. is. Um, who wants to kind of give it a quick overview, Brian? You usually Brian, do that for us. Me, guy. I don't have the official one. Well, that's okay. Well, you watched okay. it. You're as, you're as big a Star so Trek starts, nerd as I am. So it starts with the Star Trek crew, the Enterprise crew on the on the Enterprise, and they are. Weird. That the Enterprise crew would have been on the Enterprise. They are standing in a single place, and the camera is rotating from side to side to indicate <laughs> that the ship is experiencing turbulence. Look, CGI wasn't invented yet. And then Mr. Spock explains that they are flying through time distortions. Time ripples. Time right? ripples. Yes. So we get, I mean, you're like 30 seconds into the episode, and, and you get that. And then... Uh, yeah. I'm we sorry, get, maybe we get it was Don Rickles, not Time Ripples. <laughs> <laughs> we get some excitement on the bridge. Yes. Uh, Mr. Sulu gets uh, electrocuted by an overloaded console. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty has to take position because Scotty's just sitting, leaning up against a wall, <laughs> right. smoking a cigarette right. or something. Not on the bridge. Not in the engineering he, area. Right. He's just right. up on the bridge. Um, he That's ends up cool piloting the ship. They discover that the... Uh, Time ripples are coming from a specific place on the planet that they can now see. Because I don't think they could see the planet before. Is that That's, true? Oh, I don't remember. That seems okay. right. But they discovered that it's coming from that place. Um, during the second set of ripples after Dr. McCoy helps Sulu with some sort of drug that no one knows what it does. But it's apparently dangerous because Captain Kirk says, whoa. Are you sure? That's touchy. Right. <laughs> if you're allergic to cortisine, don't take cortisine. <laughs> right. But Mr. Sulu recovers very well. Um, but during I'm the sorry, second have, set of... I just of have to pause because Bones better risk a few drops of cortisine in this wildly dramatic yes. way. Like we all know what the hell cortisine is. Oh, cortisine. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Just a couple drops will do. Well, Captain Kirk knew what it was. He was all, he was all verklempt about it. Yes. But during the second set of turbulence after Mr. Sulu is injured... Uh, Bones injects the entire vial of cortisine into I, I his gotta, abdomen. I got a couple of issues with this. If this is so dangerous, shouldn't there have been some sort of safety mechanism? <laughs> and doesn't this seem kind of like a rookie mistake? All I could think of was my mom always told me if you were holding a pair of scissors and walking, <laughs> you need to hold it by the blaze <laughs> and make sure that you don't, like, like you walk slowly and carefully when you have scissors so don't, that something like this cortisine right. issue right. doesn't so happen. a time right. ripple doesn't hit and you run up against the navigation console <laughs> and jab yourself with the injector of cortisone with this highly apparently highly toxic drug so right. he becomes unconscious and then is not unconscious and then anymore he's super conscious <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks everyone is trying to kill him he runs away they're Assassins. trying to find him here's here's he another gets thing to the transporter like. room this is a ship that carries what 4,000 people. Right. Yeah, it's like an High technology, right? right? You can beam people up and down, but the bridge can't stop an elevator. Right. (laughs) We can't stop it on, you know, in between levels, lock the doors. Right, exactly. It's like, oh, we didn't get to the door in time. If only there were some way to help us. (laughs) (laughs) That hasn't been invented yet. Call security. (laughs) 
So, so Bones, what happens bones, to Bones then? Bones then incapacitates the transporter person. Oh, yeah, in the two-hit the two hit karate chop yes. knockout yeah. death match. And transports himself down to the mysterious planet. Everyone follows. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> yes. okay. No one is on the ship. Okay, so Kirk, <laughs> Spock... The we had engineer. To, we had to bring poor Lieutenant Uhura down. Uhura was there. The engineer and Uhura, as well as and two Scotty. red shirts. Yes. Scotty. Yes, he said yeah. the engineer. I said Scotty. The said engineer. The engineer. Scotty. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, Jimmy wow. Doohan. Yeah. Yes. Wow. The incredible Jimmy um, Doohan. My question is, on an away mission where it's you know possibly dangerous and you're going to find someone that's lost... We definitely want to take the ship's engineer with us. We definitely want to take the entire command structure right. with us, too. Right, <laughs> exactly. This is like in MASH, whenever they had to go pick up a patient, and they're like, well, let's send two of our surgeons off right. to do that. That's, right. Yeah, that's, let's do that. That seems <laughs> legit. Yes, and, uh, and then the only two people who are armed, the security people, I'm sorry, do you just have the two phasers well, on board? Right. But then somehow Bones ends up with a phaser later on. He I took a phaser from the okay. in the guy in the transporter room. Oh, so here's the other problem that I have. Those phasers have stun. If these security guys were worth an inch of salt, they would have zapped him the second he got up and ran. There's just so much. Those guys should have been fired. They just should have right. been fired. I know. Worst security yeah. ever. They're not like stormtroopers that can't hit anything. They don't even they just try. Don't even, Look, shoot. even the stormtroopers were able to stun Princess Leia. That's true. Yeah, there's one set for stun. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> Nerds. So they get down. Dr. McCoy is hiding, hiding behind a rock yes. that's oh, six rock. inches away from the security people. And they just wander right on past them, like. I'm not going to get on the next episode. Fuck it. While no one else is looking for Dr. McCoy, they're all standing around. And then the mysterious portal starts was talking the to Guardian them. of the past or what was it called? The Guardian. It's just called of the, the Guardian. The Guardian. And I think it looks like an abalone guitar guardian of Guardian of Forever. I wrote it down because I'm like, well, that's a, that's a title that I want. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, what do you do? I'm Guardian of Forever. So it begins speaking to them. In a very familiar voice. Yes. Did anybody look up who the voice was? He's on a ton of Star Trek episodes. Oh, okay. He's also sounded like he might have been in a Christmas cartoon at some point. I'm sure time. he probably I, was. He may have been. So. He's Mr. Voiceover. But yes. his, the abalone guitar pick starts to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, let's see. It starts showing Earth's history. Well, you know, out of all of the galaxies, right. including I, Spock's planet. I also issues. enjoyed the episode, the, the clip from Ben Hur in there. Yes, the Ben Hur. <laughs> History didn't begin with dinosaurs or amoebas no. or anything like that. It starts with ancient Egypt. <laughs> and then here's the part where I'm confused. You guys can fill me in. I may have bearing this moment, but uh, Dr. McCoy hops through the time vision. But he got the Spock death grip and was unconscious for a really short for amount a of time. Hot minute, right. right. Because when you're on cocaine, I mean, oh, cortisone. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's right. Spock, Spock incapacitates yeah. him, but then he wakes up because. He's on the because he's on cocaine cortisine, right? And he looks like he has the worst case of hives or malaria, boils, <laughs> malaria. and pustulants. 
He looks like he lived in the Bible. Because that's what I imagine those people look like. Oh, that goes with the Ben-Hur comment from just a little bit ago. Exactly. There you go. It's all coming together. But it is. He recovers and quickly jumps through the portal. Right. Which, by the way, moments ago was a lot further away than it was when all of a sudden he's jumping through. Right. Um, and what was that James Spader then, movie the with the portal that they went through? Ask him. James Spader. Yeah. Oh, oh, Stargate. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It was but reminiscent just, of that. They just travel to different like planets and universes. They don't travel. Oh, time. it wasn't a time thing. Okay. Uh, but uh, then the Guardian speaks. The and, Guardian's kind of sassy. Yeah, the Guardian's a little the sassy. Guardian's kind of a dick. And then they <laughs> discover that all have time. And all actually, of time has okay. changed. And that reminds me, Spock was a bit of a dick too, though. So I wrote it down. I yeah. see no reason for your answers to be couched in riddles. I'm like, and he well, says, way to be the bigger I dick. I answer as simply <laughs> as your level of understanding makes possible. And Spock's like, the fuck? <laughs> you and, and your the guardian di- says, I said what I said. I didn't stutter. Your simple brains and noodly arms. Noodly All of you, arms. not just the women. Noodly arms. Noodly arms. Not just the women. <laughs> For those of you that haven't heard this before, we like, you know, when they're rude to women, we like to refer right. to women as small brains with noodly, with noodly arms. arms. Yes. <laughs> I may have actually stolen that from True Crime Obsessed and so Julie Pensavalli, but who knows? The who Guardian, knows? which has the ability to show you all of space and time and the ability to transport people to all of space and time. Doesn't like, have the ability doesn't to Doesn't have hit the pause. ability to hit pause. <laughs> right. So he has to start from the beginning again. Right. right. Not dinosaurs, though. He's literally right. like, hey, let me just replay this. Because I don't know where your friend jumped through. <laughs> right. Because I'm, I'm not really sure. I can control time, but I don't feel like it today. I'm the guardian of forever. I'm not the guardian of when your friend jumped through things. Right. <laughs> and then Spock is like, oh, who's got a simple mind? Now? <laughs> right. Who's got noodly arms? So now? Spock noodly figures out now. that he can record the time passing with a tricorder. With right? his. Yeah, it's because his, it it's records his three things. But. Tricorder before it's the small tricorder. It's like oh, a it's a it's, it's a, a portable cassette deck on it's his a hip. folded up Polaroid camera. Is what it looks like. <laughs> well, the first uh, what do you call them? The things that they were like. Yeah, the Dr. McCoy uses yeah. oh, yeah. salt paper, salt and pepper shakers salt. from the commissary of Paramount or whatever it was. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Oh, he has a brain injury here. Up oh, there, it's fixed. <laughs> wow. <He just> said, <laughs> for those of you who didn't see that, which is everyone, I sprinkled salt on his brain injury. Way to put salt in this wound. <laughs> so they devise a plan where Spock is recording the previous time, figuring out how long it was, and then Kirk and Spock jump through the portal as well. Oh, in the most dramatic fashion, by oh, the way. Yeah. Okay. <gasps> Now, and then they jump. Yep, they jump. They land in. But Kirk specifically tells Spock, "Make sure we get there before McCoy did." Yes, right. Because right. that's an important plot point. That is important. They they land in pre World War Two, U.S. New York. Assuming it's New York, it's actually the set that they filmed. Right. Um, Mayberry. It's Mayberry. <laughs> <laughs> they they walk past Floyd's barber shop at one point in time. They really no shit. Yes, oh, they, they didn't do. catch that at all. Yeah. <laughs> that's 
awesome. <laughs> so it might have been in one of the Carolinas. We don't know. <laughs> they're in Star Trek. They're in Star Trek outfits. So they mm-hmm. have to steal some clothing. They get caught doing that. Spock gives the pinch. They oh, run away. Oh, you're missing some really bad age oh. lines in there. Oh, yeah. Trying to explain Spock. and Oh, he's oh, Chinese. Yeah. Yes. Right. And yeah. his ears were caught in a... Rice-picking accident. It was a rice picker. And fortunately, (laughs) there was a white man there who was able to save him. Like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That was bad then. I know. I listened to uh, some podcasts today to prepare for this, about specifically about Sitting on the Edge of Forever. And uh, in one of them, he's like, so incredibly generous. He's like, well, I think it's because that that stuff didn't matter to them. So he was trying to think of anything he could to explain it to people that it would matter to. No. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost exactly like in Little House on the Prairie where they were talking about not locking up their... Oh, yes. They're treating their people with disabilities. It's not like they have mental illness or anything. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, God. She's blind. So She's not mentally <laughs> handicapped. Like, right. bumping into the point, but not getting it. <laughs> so close. You were. So, but here, they were not even close. No. 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 And no. I tried to be charitable. I thought, well, I mean, if you were trying to explain, no. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those where I heard it and I'm like, you did not yeah. just say rice picking <laughs> machine. <laughs> Yikes. But thankfully, a white guy was there who was able to save him. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently wasn't able to reshape his ears. Right. So that's how his ears got stretched, and he's Chinese, so that's why his... Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. even know. <laughs> exactly. Thankfully, for the rest of the episode, he wears a wool cap. Right. Whenever right. someone that's not Kirk is around. Reminiscent of the, if you've seen Star Trek four, The Voyage Home, his... Uh, the, what do you call it? Camouflage bandana that yes. covers up his oh, ears. His it's like a, a tie from a bathrobe that he uses to hide his ears. Isn't that the one where he was wearing a bathrobe the whole yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's they've just like escaped him from Genesis yeah. and he's yeah. he doesn't know who he is or whatever. So I guess you have to dress like that if I, you don't exactly. <laughs> and now they need exactly. to save a whale. If you're confused, I actually love that. way away. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I actually love that whale one. Rathacon is my favorite. I don't mind that one either, but... Star Trek VI is my favorite. Which Um, one was that? The Undiscovered Country. Is that the one after the We Saw God? Yeah, it should have been called The The, Apology. (laughs) Star Trek VI, we're sorry. (laughs) They run away with the clothes. They take three lefts and then a fourth left. Anyone want to tell me where they wound up? Because it was not where they began. Oh, that's what if normally you take happens. Four lefts, <laughs> you wind up in the exact same spot that you began. They did not. They wound up in the basement of a mission mm-hmm. in an entirely different decade. <laughs> and then down walks the beautiful, <gasps> effervescent, incandescent Joan Collins. She okay, was, and I, they light her. I'm sorry, like she is a sh- like. Automobile on a showroom floor. Like she's an like, angel. She's literally like in that fuzzy light to where you think she's an angel coming down the stairs. 
And they I do would that. like somebody to keep that filter on me at all times now that I feel that I'm above 40. <laughs> and if you haven't she seen this episode, it, really pay like attention to it. just now above 40. Every time she's on screen by herself, it's this mystical lighting around her. Right. And then they go to Kirk and he's in like plain stage lights. Right. Back to her mystical kind of hazy beautiful lighting but most of the time kirk's got the boxed in light around his eyes and it sometimes it's crooked and i'm like is there an effect we're going for it what you're a pirate so they explain i don't know poorly that they oh I watched that they indiana jones stole clothes because they i'm sorry (laughs) he chose Poorly. <laughs> you said that. And I just that is my favorite line of any movie ever. Right. Because they look to the guy like, oh, yeah, ah, is it? And he goes, he chose poorly. That's hilarious. I'm sorry, Brian. That it's just, fine. You're, no, you made that this line. This is going to be like, oh my God. an epic episode. This for is us, a ridiculous honestly. episode. <laughs> I am explaining every moment of this, but oh yeah, he's know. doing the whole show. I by know. the way, no notes. By the way, he has no notes. <laughs> should exactly. I should I just summarize <laughs> it? No, or keep, no going? keep going. Okay. So they explain that they stole clothes because they had no money. Uh, what is her character name? I'm sorry. Edith Keeler. Keeler. Miss Keeler offers them a job for 15 cents an hour. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For 10 hours I'm of work thinking, a day. I'm thinking, was that ever a thing? I don't know. <laughs> so they clean up the basement. She finds them a place to live. I am going to summarize some stuff here. Spock discovers that he can take the tricorder, which is broken now. Which records three things. Right. Three. But it's broken now. So um, it's a no quarter. It's broken. <laughs> it's, a, it's a broken. Bro, it's a bro <laughs> He can apparently repair it with, later we discover he needs platinum, but he, he decides that he needs some light bulbs and, I don't know, a TV and uh, something he else. He says something about, like, how do you expect me to do this when I barely have tools above a bare skin and I don't even know. Stone knives. Stone knives. And it was like, wow, you were all kinds of sassy this episode, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so he starts to repair the device <laughs> Uh, Captain Kirk falls in love with Miss Keeler. He does. They have several interactions. Miss Keeler explains how she envisions the future, which is basically, well, Star Trek. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Ships traveling amongst the planets, us interacting with other cultures. Almost like she's seen the show before. This is a good time to, to stop for a little bit of a distraction. Um, this episode is written by a man named Harlan Ellison, who was a prolific science fiction writer and like a miserable son of a bitch by all accounts, including his own. But <laughs> I was listening to one of these podcasts. Let me just take a minute to say which ones. It was called Enterprise Incidents with Scott and Steve, The Greatest Trek, colon, New Star Trek Re- Reviewed, and Beam Me Up, colon, A Star Trek Podcast all great sources of information. I enjoyed listening to them. And one of them, uh, they were talking about, who do you think wrote that paragraph? Because Harlan Ellison's original script for this was dramatically different than what became the shooting script. And the question was, who do you think wrote that? And the other guy was like, well, Gene Roddenberry. It was like, of course Gene Roddenberry wrote that because he (laughs) literally describes Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for the interruption. 
No, you're fine. Spock finally gets his uh, MacGyvered tricorder to work on it the. It records three things. Right. <laughs> and it only has a one inch screen. All of this technology, and you can't fit bigger than a one inch screen <laughs> on the device. Some of them were salt and pepper shakers, not just really roll on the one inch screen. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, he has a tumor. And it's gone. <laughs> Um, so Spock is watching this and discovers that Miss Keeler is the key event that changes time that causes the Enterprise and all of history to change uh, because he sees one event where she dies and one event where she's alive. And so they've figured out that she is the focal point and that Dr. McCoy will soon appear. Um, Captain Kirk continues to fall in love. Uh, B- Bones does appear. He's still acting crazy. He still has splotches on him and looks like he has malaria. Uh, Get that boy some quinine. The bum who is... Fetch the back team. <laughs> and Thanks, I apologize. Get the I'm nurse. saying he's a bum. The homeless gentleman. The unhoused The unhoused <laughs> actor uh, who is attempting to acquire the milk left behind discovers McCoy uh, acting crazy, is scared of him, and then McCoy passes out. The unhoused gentleman steals the phaser off of him and obliterates himself. Right. He um, makes this, the phaser. He doesn't know what he's doing, and the phaser basically goes supernova and like <laughs> disintegrates him. Yeah. McCoy winds up in the mission, and Miss Keeler gets him a room as well, helps him recover. Uh, and then where are we at then? We're at uh, basically the end. Yeah. Right? He right. feels better. She he says, feels better. He says something along the lines of, I'm Dr. Leonard McCoy from the USS Enterprise. Um, he's talking about Earth, and she says, I have a friend who talks about Earth like you do. Do you want to meet him? And Dr. McCoy says, I'm a doctor, not a psychiatrist. Which is a common theme in, in <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a botanist. I'm a doctor, not a veterinarian. Right. I'm a doctor, not an engineer. I'm a doctor, not a miracle worker. Right. I mean, it's, it's, the list goes on and yes, on. Yes, yes. It's actually kind of funny. It's, he's it's not a very good doctor other than he's the, got the, the salt and pepper shaker. <laughs> oh, it's congestive heart failure. It's so, fixed. <laughs> sprinkle, sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> so... McCoy, she says, I'm going to go to a movie with my young man today or something. We're going to go watch a Clark Gable movie. And he's like, who's Clark Gable? Ha ha, I guess. Uh, They leave. Somehow. They wind up on the same street. They wind up on the same street. And McCoy comes out. Oh, no. She says, that's what Dr. McCoy said. And he goes, Leonard McCoy? And she's like, yeah. And then, Which is confusing because Spock's real name is Leonard Nimoy. Right. <laughs> you guys confuse me with So that. then Spock comes out. McCoy comes out. They all have this, like, joyous right. celebration. Hug fest. But before he leaves Edith Keeler, he tells her, stop. Stay here and collaborate because <laughs> and listen. <laughs> so, because he knows that she has to die in a traffic accident, so he's like, Stop, stay there. And then he turns back around and says, like, Don't go, like, don't leave this spot. And my contention, I thought about this when I was watching it, is that he was he still thinks that he can outwit this 
right? Outwit time. Outwit time. Because this is, I don't believe in the no-win scenario, James T. Kirk. Uh, The Kobayashi Maru. Right. So he tells her to stay there. He runs over. McCoy and Spock and him are like, yay, high fives. And she's 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 really confused. like She's curious what's happening. So curious that she starts to walk into traffic. Inevitably, she's hit by, I don't know. The car going two and a half miles an hour. (laughs) And killed. And she dies. She had a very low death threshold. But Dr. McCoy sees that this is happening. He starts to to go to her, and Captain Kirk grabs him and holds him and keeps him from doing that. And he's like, Jim, I could have saved her. And Kirk is devastated. And With go ahead. seasoning. And then they reappear on the planet magically because the timeline has been restored. Mm-hmm. The Guardian tells them that the timeline's been restored. Right. Uh, McCoy the, the, is... The Starship Enterprise is magically back yeah, in the sky. Right. Back in the sky. Um, the uh, Kirk is upset because he was falling in love with her, as anyone would. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's look Joe at the Collins. lighting on her. Because she was blurry. <laughs> look at the lighting on that one. Angelic. Um, they beam back up to the ship, and that's a wrap. And what does Kirk say before they leave? I don't remember. It's like no. the most famous thing. It was like one of the most famous parts of the whole episode. He was like, let's get the hell out of here. Oh, yeah. That is a synopsis of City on the Edge of Forever. That isn't a synopsis. That's a you just lived it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, that, that was, was great. So one of the things that I thought was interesting just right out of the gate is is, is Kirk's initial desire to alter history. Mm-hmm. Immediate oh, history, yeah. but still, you know, oh, can we go back in there and just make this day not happen? And I'm like, it's not Freaky Friday. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, didn't contemplate the consequences of that and and really kind of tease up the whole rest of the story there. So, you know, instead of attempting to find a current solution, tries to find the easy right. solution. He's trying to skirt both sides of the law. Right, right. But that's actually kind of a recurring theme for Jim Kirk, too. And, and right. really, honestly, what made him a pretty good leader. Because I think far more often than not, it worked out. Here, it was not so much with the working out. It could have, right. had, could have had a catastrophic end. So... Yeah, and for those of you that haven't seen it, the end is that the Nazis end up winning World War II because the U.S. becomes pacifist. Right. The reason that Edith Keeler has to die is because she leads this peace movement that delays the United States entry into World War II, ultimately letting the Germans come up with the, nuclear technology. The and, and so... It, I guess it was the A-bomb then, and then... Yeah. I don't know. They get the A-bomb first, so they win. Right. So it's an anti-Oppenheimer. I don't know. Right. So that is the plot. It is an extremely well done episode. It right. is. I, I Very know, well I done. Absolutely great. I know we've, I know we've been cheeky, um, but Star Trek itself was a pretty groundbreaking television oh, yeah. program to absolutely. begin with. And, you know, you, you start out, you have women in leadership positions. You have a black woman in a leadership position. Um and you've got all of these kind of unique situations with what would be different races when you look at different planets. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I was, I've been a nerd since an early age. I've watched, I've watched every episode of the original Star Trek multiple times. Um, now, I, that has not carried through. 
I've watched all of the movies with the original cast in it. I've watched a couple of movies with um, Captain Picard. Mm -hmm. Um, In particular, I really enjoyed the whole Borg Mm -hmm. storyline. But I never watched any of the other television programs. I used to watch the cartoon. Did you used to watch the cartoon, Star Trek I watched some of the cartoon, the early cartoon, not any of the new ones. No, no, But I love actually all of the series. I just never Um, got into them. Voyager and Deep Space Nine. For sure. The next generation. That was the next one generation. That came yeah. Next, right? Next generation yeah. came next. And Patrick Stewart is iconic. And yeah. it is a great series. But I I think it had, I don't know. I like Deep Space Nine more. I liked Voyager more. That's because more. it had Renee Abergenois. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, I've been told you. I've last episode, I think we talked, I've been watching Benson. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, before that, I'd been watching Boston Legal, which also has Renee Abergenois and, and William Shatner in it. I can't get enough Renee Abergenois. No, I rest. agree. I agree. So, um, all right. So, just some background on Star Trek. Um, it started in 1966. It was produced by Desi Lee Studios, which. Des, we ought to take an episode one time and just talk about some television history. Yeah. Because Desilu Studios was incredible. If it weren't for the groundbreaking decisions of Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, we wouldn't have episodes of a lot of television right. to watch. Right. Um, they took chances on shows that other studios weren't interested in. Right. And, and then they actually recorded them. Yeah. Three cameras. Right. But they saved all of the film so that it's actually like for posterity's sake that we can watch it. Like I said earlier, this episode was written by Harlan Ellison, who is a prolific science fiction writer. Um, It's interesting that this episode won a Writers Guild of America award. Um, That was Harlan Ellison's original script that was submitted for that. Uh, This shooting script actually won a Hugo award in 1968 um, in that episode, there are exactly from the Harlan Ellison's original script to the shooting script, exactly two lines survived intact from the original script. Wow. And Goodness. both of them are spoken by the guy, by the guardian. Um, they ask how old the guardian is or whatever. And the guardian says a question since before your son burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. That one, and then the last line says, time has resumed its shape. All is as it was before. Many such journeys are possible. Let me be your gateway. So it's interesting that that is the only two that survived. The episode was rewritten by a writer on Star Trek named Gene Kuhn. Gene Roddenberry contributed and a writer called DC Fontana Um Hey, that's a cool name, DC Fontana. They called themselves DC Fontana because their real name was Dorothy. Uh, and nobody took them seriously right. <laughs> because her name was Dorothy. She's actually a fantastic science fiction writer and contributed greatly to the success of Star Trek. Um, Gene Kuhn was sort of the zippy zinger. The, there are some elements of humor in this episode, and those are... Gene Kuhn's responsibility. Um, this particular episode cost $254,000 to make. Oh, wow. wow. The average Star Trek... 250 of that was Joan Collins' salary <laughs> and lighting. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, it was all spent on lighting. The average Star Trek episode um, in the first season cost $180,000 per episode. Where did you say this one was again? $251,000? So this is the most expensive episode ever recorded of the original series. And I have no idea why. Yeah, there's much less CGI stuff. I mean, they literally played some Ben-Hur Right, B roll right. in the, the background. That was two point three million dollars in today's money. Right. That's incredible. Right, um, it's uh, I'm like there's extras in it, right? There's a lot of extras in the mission and stuff like okay. that. Okay, but, but they're using another set that's but already scale built. at that point in time was what like twenty five dollars a day. Right. I mean, it's not that. It's probably what is it like five hundred a day now or. But it, it could, I can't figure out where the expense was unless it was all <laughs> Joan, Joan Collins. But I don't think that it was because she wasn't hugely popular at that point in time. 1,082 is the SAG day rate. Okay. So. And, uh, it's 2023. So 1967. Right. No, it couldn't have been much. Yeah. I have no idea where the expense on this is. There, there are other episodes of Star Trek that are, that are what I would consider special effect heavy. There are other episodes of Star Trek that have more outside, like, location shooting. This was done, the majority of this was done on a soundstage at Desilu because you, they literally walk past Floyd's Barbershop. Right, and the planetary stage was a generic Star Trek planet. Mm-hmm. Like, you see that later again. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's confusing to me where this expense came from, but... Pound for pound, ounce for ounce, it's worth every penny because this episode is, it's one of my favorite episodes of television, period. No, I Not just on this list or Star Trek. Um, There is a lot of information about Harlan Ellison. He uh, sued Gene Roddenberry multiple times over this episode. Uh, He wasn't going to let them use the script. And I don't know, the legend goes for one of the podcasts I listened to today that they sent Shatner to his house like to talk him into doing this. And Harlan Ellison's version of the story is that Shatner showed up and really only cared about how many lines he had versus how many Nimoy had. That's not new information, <laughs> right? That's I, everything he's ever I, done. I believe that fully. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I am sensing that Harlan Ellison is telling the truth on this. <laughs> so um, it's, a fascinating piece of writing. I think it's a lot of times when somebody writes something and then a bunch of people come in to try to fix it or change it or whatever, it turns into a mishmash of just horror. But this is very cohesive. It's very well done. Uh, Through decades, everyone has made fun of William Shatner's acting, justifiably sometimes, maybe not in other times. I think he does an excellent job in this one. No, I agree. Yeah, there's not too much overacting. He doesn't right. throw himself against a wall. Right, right. right. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> he doesn't do the pauses like Shatner does, you know. Do you want to really talk to me about doing pauses? Can I just show you the show you the recording? <laughs> Shut up. I'm not trying to be like Shatner. I feel attacked. Oh, my gosh. All right, your test? So does it pass the Bechtel test? Or your, I'm sorry, I meant your... My things. Yes. Does it pass the Bechtel test? That's one of those. Mm, No. No, it does not. No, in fact, it does not. 
There are two named female characters, but they never speak to one another. <laughs> They're in different universes. <laughs> right. One of the things that we don't talk enough about, I think, in some of these episodes is the music. The music is actually uh, a really important character in Star Trek. It, te- it, like, it gives us signals as to when something's going to be scary with really good music. Like, you know, <laughs> and if you hear it, it's completely iconic. You know that it's Star Trek. Star Trek's noises are iconic, as Steve has been doing the <laughs> business. The well, the transporter. I mean, right. you hear that noise. If you've watched any episode of Star Trek, you know exactly what that is, what's going on. The uh, the doors on the elevators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was on airplane as well. Yes. <laughs> I think it was airplane two, but the space shuttle one, whatever, yes. whatever number yeah. that but was. But they have to make the sound themselves yeah. Oh, yeah, to yeah. get the door to open. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but as a as a as a character in this episode, the music is is important. That's uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I have never considered music as a character. And I think that's a really I think that's a really interesting take on music. i I mean I always have accepted it as an in, incredibly important element mm-hmm. and mood setter and and predictor of what's gonna happen next or what may happen, but I have never considered it as a character. I think that's really insightful. I really like that. Thank you. Um I have been thinking a lot about that because we watched Jaws the other day. Oh, sure. Without that music, that movie is... Candy Graham. (laughs) (laughs) Land Shark. (laughs) It's not... It's just not the same movie without that music. Oh, no. Right, right. Um, The clothes, costumes, sets, I think were very well done. There were old-timey cars... The clothes looked authentic for the time. Um, it's 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 a top it's a top flight production on this one. There's no apparently there was no expense spared, but it was all. But for, I'm with you. I don't know where the expense came from, right? Because I can't. I mean, they were make. This is a Paramount mm-hmm. joint, right? Right. So they're making other movies where people are dressed in period costumes. You oh, just yeah, go right. to Couldn't the have vault. Created and they have some this. 1930s cars sitting around right. for right. a mob movie or something. Well, right. not to mention the fact that this is only 1967. It's not 2023 and you're looking for 1930s cars. Right. I mean, I guess that antenna with the electricity right. going up and down <laughs> it, maybe that. Which is in every Formula B horror movie. Right. What was that, like 15, 16 bucks? <laughs> well, plus the electricity. So, and then what is the last question? Does it belong on the list? Well, did you, there's the whole racial. Oh yeah. Is it giving me an ism? Uh Uh-huh. Well, I don't think about it because Star Trek is so forward thinking on this. They had, uh, they worked really hard at representation. Uh, I mean, I'm sure if you know anything about Star Trek, you know that Michelle Nichols was going to quit and Martin Luther King called her and said, you can't can't right you're the you're You're in a leadership role yeah and you're you are on every week right you're a black woman in a leadership role on television you're you're too important to do that why was she gonna leave i don't think she was just dissatisfied with it probably shatner (laughs) fucking (laughs) (laughs) if you have questions about how shatner treated other people go read um wesley's um oh yeah 
what is his real name? Wesley Crusher, the uh, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will, 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 will Go read <laughs> about Will cool Wheaton's whip. interaction with uh, Shatner on Shatner the set. Of on the set. Oh, really? Oh, give because us a preview. He he hero worshipped Shatner. Oh, hero no. worshipped Shatner. And then he and they said, go over and say Shat- hi. And then they Shatner. go over. He goes over there. And Shatner is horrible, like absolutely horrible to him. And several members of the TNG crew basically offered to go beat up Shatner. Right. Because of how they treated him. Like Jonathan Frakes and... That was number one. Yes. And what is Worf's name? Michael Dorn? Yes. Oh my God, he's an excellent character. Like They They were ready to go fucking kick Shatner's ass because he was so rude to him. What because did he do? What did he say? Well, Wheaton is like 13 or 14 yeah. Oh, yeah. No, at he's the a time. Boy. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember all the it. specifics, it was just very but dismissive. It, was, it was super dismissive. Like, who the fuck are you? Why should I care kind of thing? Oh, okay. Yeah. And while we can all hate Wesley Crusher. And like, we do. At least I do. Right. I, should, I didn't watch enough of it to, to <laughs> hate or not hate. I, well, I if you did, you'd hate Wesley you'd Crusher. Hate Wesley okay, Crusher. that's fair. But I love Will Wheaton. He's a He's a very cool guy. Yeah. And That's great. So yeah, um, Shatner is. And we watched. Was it the 30th anniversary for Star Trek: yeah. Next Generation? Oh, God, and that shouldn't be. A I know. <laughs> I, I had to take a Xanax and go to sleep. Uh, why am I so old? But this is just an aside because I think Jonathan Frakes is a really nice man. That, that Will Wheaton had some unpleasantness at home, and Jonathan Frakes really took him under his wing and and gave him love and support and positivity when I don't think he was getting a lot of that anywhere else. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and once Will again, proving, is the one who tells that story. So. Which once again proves it really doesn't take much to be kind to another human being. And it doesn't take right. much to make a huge difference in somebody else's life. Right. So well, like, so representation, I mean, the show had um, an Asian person in a position of power it had uh, this is you know Cold War time, so they had, had a Russian, a Russian yeah. on the on the what do you call it shit on the bridge. Bridge. Um, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but at some point in time in this episode, when they're in like the transporter room waiting for McCoy to come in and flummox the whole world, <laughs> a black man walked in in a yellow shirt, which indicates that he was an officer. So even in the background, we're showing people of color. Um, in positions of power and leadership, and uh, I mean, Star Trek is the the model that all shows should follow. And by the way, people of all colors were red shirt security people. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't just you know like all the perps are black or Hispanic. Right. Oh my god! Yes. Everybody was getting How their ass horrifying. kicked in the red shirt. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there's a she had left the show at this point in time, but. Uh, Janice what? Yeoman Rand was a, another woman who was on the bridge frequently and Majel Barrett, who was, um, nurse Christine Chapel was actually married to Jean Roddenberry, but she was frequently on the show. So women played an important role in the workings of the enterprise. And it's always been something I, I, I love it. I love that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And the, at the time too, you know, you're in the the sixties. You're at the height of Vietnam. You have a show that's a military-based show, mm-hmm. but gives you an escape, gives you some yeah. some fantasy. Right. Um, and sci-fi is able to deal with really intense topics in such a way that it softens it a little bit for you. 
like the episode it removes you once from it, wouldn't you think? Right. Don't you feel the episode where they have they have the painted faces and the one side of the face people don't like the other side of the face people. Do you remember that one? Yeah. They have black and white. Isn't Frank, isn't Frank Gorshin in that one? I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know. Okay. But it's about racism and they're able to really get into how stupid racism is by using these painted people. It's, it's really, it's a, it's really well done. But what I've also always liked about Star Trek is, is that it doesn't always take itself seriously. No, the true. trouble with tribbles is one of my absolute <laughs> favorite. It is actually my favorite episode is of it? Star Trek ever because it, it, it pokes a little fun at itself. It's just a fun episode. Um, I, yeah, it's to me that should be on the list. It has Harcourt Fenton mud in so it. So this, um, I, I, I think you said it should be on the list. I'm gonna the list. if you didn't, I'm gonna jump on that anyway. I agree. I think it should have been higher should on the be list. Higher yeah. on the list, way higher. Yeah, I, I agree because I think this, this watching this, it's so ob- of course we we all knew what it was going into it, but it was so obvious that it should be on the list. And so many of these other episodes, or even some of these shows. You think okay, it's not right. Yeah, um, as if you've listened to a couple of our episodes, um, Speed Racer is still ahead of this, right? Coming up here in a right. little bit, and yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't I don't understand it. I I was a Speed Racer fan when I was a kid. What deep cultural significance is right. a Speed Racer cartoon well, I mean, episode? Japanese bring anime. To us? I, I mean, Star Trek is the benchmark. It's the like lodestar for all science fiction from the 60s to now. This episode is the best of that. There's no way that this shouldn't be higher. No, I, I agree. And how Batman, you know, the campy 60s Batman is ahead of it. So this is regarded as the best episode of the original series. And for those of you who... I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I, I have other episodes I like, but right. I certainly... Personal favorites? Yeah. Sure. But I think dramatic, I, I, yeah, deep, I, deep episodes. And, yeah, I and think I think this is... you know, taking advantage of its position to be able to to you know advance some cultural thoughts. I I, I don't know. I I absolutely enjoy it. And the cultural thoughts in this one uh, are how you know it's a struggle of what do you do. Does one life matter more than others? Right. And that isn't that kind of a a, a quintessential sort of paradox. But this eventually plays out in what is arguably the best of the Star Trek, the original cast movies, which is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which is the needs of the few, or the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And um, there's, I think that there are several parallels between the second, like, the statement that Spock made, and I was listening to one of these podcasts, and they they brought it up too, is that when Edith Keeler is talking to them individual, like they're sitting there, and she says, he belongs with you. He belongs at your side when she's talking about Spock. Like, he's he, there it is, Captain. He doesn't even have to say it, and it's still there. And it's kind of like a lead into... I always have been and ever shall be your friend because it's the time, you know, time is a construct. So he will always be with him. And then she says to Kirk that he belongs somewhere else. 
And the question that they asked was, do you think that she would eventually have figured out that they were from the future? Sorry, everybody, I dropped my phone. because <laughs> I've been making multiple so noises stupid. over here. I'm glad somebody else finally did. <laughs> Sorry, apparently I can't use my hands today. I dropped my but, hands. But um, they pointed out that, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, it's probably going off the rails anyway. <laughs> it was Oh, would she so. have figured out that they were from the future? I and think that she they did. were on a starship. And I was like, well, he flat out said, here's a poem from somebody who hasn't right. been born yet. I'm like, well, that's not a big stretch. <laughs> you know? He didn't and just crack He the comes code. from that planet over there by that star. Yeah, I think she figured it out. <laughs> but if you're interested in the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, they compiled the best, uh, the 10 best episodes of Star Trek in any of the Star Trek universe. And that includes Deep Space Nine, TNG, Voyager, uh, Enterprise, all the shows that have been done up until that time. And the number one episode of all of Star Trek is considered City on the Edge of Forever. Wow. Yeah. And there's some really good episodes on here, like The Inner Light from The Next Generation, A Mock Time from the original series, Balance of Terror from the original series. So not only is this good for the time, it's held the test of time, and it is one of the finest pieces of television I think that's ever been on. I don't disagree with I don't that disagree. at all. No, mm-hmm. no, I don't. We didn't really talk about what was going on in 1967. I think we've really, we've really hit the 60s a lot. We had the Bond yeah. Squad and talked a lot on that episode, right? And I mean, you're kind of in uh, one of the things that one of these podcasts talked about was the Smothers Brothers premiered like in the week that this episode was shown or something. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and uh, how the, the Smothers Brothers comedy hour was very subversive and uh, very anti-war. And I don't know anything about the Smothers Brothers except what people have told me or what I've read because I've never seen an episode of it. They were always dressed in suits. I, I Looking at it from that perspective, I would have never thought that was subversive or, you know, really cutting edge. But I guess it was supposed to be because they got canceled for coming out and talking about Vietnam, I think. So, again, I immediately confused the Smothers Brothers with the show that Lily Tomlin, Goldie Hawn, Laugh-In, Rowan and Martin. That, yeah, I love that show. That used to be on Nick at Night Mm -hmm. a long time ago. Um, But just kind of going back, you know, we we had The Untouchables, 1960, The Outer Limits, 1963, The Mod Squad, 1970, um, Naked City, 1961, and then, of course, Star Trek, 67. So we've we've really, I think... Kind of done right. the 60s We've to death. 60s. Yeah. yeah. So specifically 67, though. Um, Hit us with a space fact. Apollo you know 1 fire. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You want to yeah. talk about, you want to talk about not only, of course, just a gut-wrenching tragedy. Um, I mean, even reading about it late, oh, you yeah. know, it's is horrible. just terrible. But then you think, okay, but that's not that particularly is what they signed up for, but it's it's that type of risk that it takes to advance. And then, of course, we saw that again. It played over again in, in 1986 with the Challenger, and then again in, what, 2003? February with the, 1st, 2003. With the Enterprise, was that the one? Columbia. Columbia, Columbia that's right, Columbia. Um, and then almost with uh, Apollo 13, which again, I think yeah. we talked about that. Why did we number it thirteen? Right, right. isn't that That's, an ending that was predictable? <laughs> so there, yeah, there's 
I mean, other than that, there's lots of war stuff. Vietnam, right? You know, tops the list of notable things. Um, the Six Day War between Israel and Egypt happened in '67, mm-hmm. uh, and the first human heart transplant happened in 1967. I did not know that. I didn't either. So How they long? did not have a salt and pepper shaker to <laughs> hold over the person <laughs> and fix their heart. Um, yeah. Towards social issues, uh, 1967 is the year when Kathy Switzer was attempted to be yanked out of the Boston Marathon and the other gr- other runners surrounded her because women were not allowed to run in the Boston Marathon at the time. So stupid. Yeah. Right. Somebody wants to run a marathon, let them. Oh, who cares? <laughs> How did this affect you? I'm sorry. Did that? I, but whatever. since we're on That's Star Trek and mind. equality right. and... You know, I thought and that was good. Since you mentioned space, one of the things I looked at was how uh, Star Trek like works in the larger culture, and we could do sixteen episodes on that oh, because God, it's yes. just oh yeah ubiquitous. It's, yeah. we all know Star Trek references, even if you don't know that it's a Star Trek reference. Right. It's a Star Trek reference. Right. Uh, the whole rise of Comic Con and all the cons are from Star Trek, from the popularity of the show. And, well, um, and then the huge renaissance it had. Right. So, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture. Sucks. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I, I thought, Bleh. Terrible. But then The Wrath of Khan was coming out and the book came out before the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I read the book and, and it was like forever before we before I could go see the movie. Because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, back then the nearest movie theater was, you know, 800 miles away. You had to pack a lunch. Right. <laughs> and a mule. <laughs> But, um, I mean, I just, I, and then I couldn't wait and I couldn't wait for the next one. And then I couldn't wait for the next one that I was really sorry for the next one. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, one of the things I wanted to mention before two things, uh, when the United States or NASA was developing the space shuttle program, the very first special, the very first shuttle was called the enterprise and Nichelle Nichols worked tirelessly to get them to do that. Uh, secondly, which should have been a phone call and that was it right but hey that makes perfect sense hey that'd be really cool because really a lot of your popularity for the space program comes from star trek Trek shows yeah right um because this star trek and rise of the space program are coinciding with the star trek ended in 1969 and that's when the united states landed on the moon the other thing i wanted to say was when we were kids um, it was a choice between watching Mr. Rogers or Star Trek, and my older brother always made me watch Star Trek, and so I would like to thank him for that. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. You know what? I'm I'm not sure, but I know my brother was also a Star Trek fan. I'm not sure if he isn't the one that, that did mm-hmm. the lead-in for that, because I remember it used to be on, on our, we have a, like every community, have one of those channels uh, that that we all grew up with, a UHF channel, mm-hmm. and it was uh, 41 here, and it was always on at 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And my folks worked until 7, so I would always watch that before dinner. So, Yeah, I remember having to pick. I don't even think we could get it from the Kansas City station. Maybe it was 41 or not, but it was like grainy Mr. Rogers or grainy Star Trek. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. It was 41 because um, 62 didn't come around until yeah. years later. Yeah. So, um, so thanks, Brian, Craig. Brian, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, absolutely. I lived where there were 
TV signals. And right. I was going to say Brian lived a little closer to so. civilization, probably had cable. So bougie. <laughs> he had cell phones. I actually think we seven. did have cable. Did you? Of course you did. Uh, of course you did. Yeah. I want to take the time also to say uh, thank you to Norman Lear, who passed away oh, this week. at 101. At 101. That's a hell of a run. Oh, Thank my, you yeah. for everything. Yeah. Um, my worldview has been largely shaped by some of your shows, I think. Right. And right. the well, good you or the bad. Talk about somebody that could tap into the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a that was a hell of a that's a hell of a producer. And he I forget who his partner was, who his directing partner was, but I don't remember. Um, hats off to him as well, yeah. because you talk about taking some chances with some really right. dicey, they're dicey subjects today. Right. And he always handled it with grace and class. So, so thank you for that, Norman Lear. And if you ever wonder why I am the way I am, it's because I was raised on television. <laughs>